It's finally that time, the Sided Podcast, episode one. Cameron is there with Jacob Polachek for your online debates on our website, Sided.co, as well as our app, Sided Debates, turn into real life conversations and arguments at times. Jacob, how excited are you to get this going? Oh, I'm so excited. Bernard, you better watch out because I'm going to climb up that leaderboard. I'm taking your spot. If you go on our app or on our website, you'll see that Bernard takes that top spot most of the time. But we're ready to talk about these debates from everyone, not just on the leaderboard, but in the sports section and the trending topics as well. This is going to be a sports-centric podcast every single day. So look forward to posting your debates on our website or on our app. And we'll talk about them if people, you know, are interested in it. So why waste any time? This is episode one. We're going to have a lot of fun on this podcast. It's all about debates. Put three minutes on the clock, five debates, and then our final debate of the day. Every single day, like I mentioned, three minutes on the clock. It's up there. Let's start with LeBron James because the Lakers just got bounced out in the first round after taking home the entire thing in the bubble last season. So Jacob, starting with you, will LeBron win another championship in his time in his career? Because 75% of people on sided say no. Well, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm saying yes. I think they wow. are going to reload this offseason, maybe getting a guy like Damian Lillard. And you still have a guy, Anthony Davis, who is in the prime of his career. He's 28 years old, and we've seen what LeBron can do. Uh, he's still a top five player in the NBA. So I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be back next year in contention. And I think now they have a lot to prove. Now, Jacob, as someone that supports the Lakers, I really hope that you're correct, but I disagree with you completely because every other team in the NBA is getting a whole lot better. Look at the West in particular. The Clippers just went by the Mavericks. I can make an argument for both those teams to take down a Lakers team that just looks depleted and doesn't really have a lot of chemistry. And then the Nuggets, they just reloaded with Aaron Gordon. What happens when they get Jamal Murray back? And I haven't even mentioned the top two teams in the West in the Phoenix Suns, where with Chris Paul, anything is possible. And then, of course, Devin Booker and then the Utah Jazz. And then you turn over to the East. The Nets, that big three is way too good. They're going to want to stay together. I think they take home the championship this year. And then the Bucs. I, I think that the Lakers have a lot of potential. If they do add a guy like Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, someone that can revamp this team in the offseason, there's a chance. But Jacob, come on. I mean, LeBron, yes, he can lead them anywhere. But at this point in his career, he does look like he's slowing down a bit. No? He's slowing down a bit. But I think that with that slowing down, AD is going to ramp it up. He's really going into the prime of his career. And I think where the Lakers really saw most of their problems this postseason was by, through their role players. I think they're going to revamp. What really led them to that championship last year was – the, the contributions from Rondo, from KCP. They had a lot of role players really step up, and I think that they're going to try and find guys that can do that, maybe get rid of some guys that weren't contributing as much, uh, and, and they'll be back. But, Jacob, can, can it make up for the health issues? I, I mean, I'm not saying that AD is really getting that much older because he's in almost like the prime of his career, but with LeBron, it just seemed like health – 
was the biggest issue with these two, with the rest of the players. Of course, Dennis Schroeder went through his COVID protocol. I think that with LeBron, you can accomplish anything at all, but it's getting to the point where there's gray hairs on the beard of LeBron James. And Father Time, I mean, it always finds a way to step in on a career and step all over a chance to win another championship. So whatever you say, I think that if they do add a few more players, it's possible. But I think I think it's over for the Lakers. I think it's over for LeBron. I think they come up short in the next couple of years. Now, staying on the hardwood, let's talk about San Diego State. Three minutes on the clock. Another debate on our website and our app, at Sided Debates. And it's about San Diego State and the plethora of transfers that they're getting after getting bounced out in the round of 30 or round of 64 in the NCAA tournament. Now, a lot of transfers. The names are plenty, Bradley, Diabate, Ledee, and Baker. And these are four guys that can really add to an Aztecs team where the success has heightened over the last couple of years. It almost seems like it's back to the Kawhi Leonard Aztecs day, days. Now, Jacob, I know you know a lot about recruits. Uh, where are you going with this one? Who out of those four are you going with saying that's the transfer that will add the most to next year's Aztecs program? Well, I'm going with Jay Donlady. I'm actually texting with Jay right now. He's glad to be out here, and he's going to be an instant impact guy. I know all the hype is around Matt Bradley, but Jay Donlady has played at Ohio State. He's played at TCU. He's, he's played against Power 5 conferences, Power 5 talent, and now he has the experience, and I think that this Aztecs team has a lot of talent to surround him with, he's going to have an instant impact. Is Ladie texting you something that could really help out this Aztecs team next season? Because the name that you mentioned should be the name that we're all talking about. And 70% of people agree on side it. Matt Bradley, it's the Cal transfer. Averaged 18 points a game last season. No one on that Cal Golden Bears team averaged above 11. So what you're telling me is you take a guy like Matt Mitchell that averaged 15 points a game. He's testing the waters everywhere. And then you're adding a guy that could have, you know, averaged the most points on an Aztecs team that was so successful last season, but he did it in the Pac-12, a better conference against better teams. He's a guy that shoots over 40% from three. His average 15 points per game in his career at Cal alone. This is a pure scorer and an experienced guy. So I understand what you're saying, but come on. How could you not say Matt Bradley on this one, Jacob? Brad, don't get me wrong. I think Bradley is going to have a big impact, and I think that he's he's going to be great right away. He's He averaged 18 points a game last year. Uh, he's a really high-quality player, but I think Ladee has really never lived up to his potential, and I think that this is the year that he does it. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, but he was really one of the biggest names in that uh, high school class. He had an offer from Kentucky. He was one of the youngest players to get an offer from John Calipari. And he has the talent to be the best player on this team. It's just a matter of will he do it. Now go on sided right now. And that wasn't Ladie texting me. I mean, if you thought that was with the ding, but the ding should tell you go on sided right now, pick a name, join the debate, defend your side. Albert Long just said Bradley. I think that should really say it. I mean, this guy in Matt Bradley, he's done everything for this Cal team in a better conference. Why can't he do it 
in the Mountain West. And I think he does. So Ladie, I think it's a respectable choice, but you hey, can't down tell there with saying with the Pac-12 being better than the Big 12. All right. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think that the Pac-12 is much better than the Mountain West. That, that's what I'm trying to say. I, yes, I agree. Yes, the Big 12 is better than the Pac-12, even though the, the tournament itself didn't really prove that with so many Pac-12 teams being towards that Final Four list. But come on, you're telling me that a guy averaging 18 points a game in the Pac-12 can't put up better numbers? It's the guy that could average over 20 points a game. Am I wrong? Oh, no, he can put up the points. But it, it's not all about the points, all right? Ladie is a strong physical player. He's gonna be he's gonna be able to play both sides of the floor. He's, he's a great defender. I, I'm expecting big things. I'm expecting real big things from him. Okay, well, as the timer ticks down, let's head over to an aspect of sports that I think a lot of us aren't as well versed with, and that's gymnastics. But what we are well versed with is seeing female athletes dominate in their respective sports. And that's why we go to Simone Biles, because the debate on sided debates is. Is Simone Biles the top woman in sports today? Now, Bob Rauch said this, and I, I'm so glad that he is one of our, our frequent users of Cited and someone that posted this debate, because this has been getting a, a, lot of, a lot of headway, a lot of leeway, only because Simone Biles is arguably not just one of the best gymnasts in the world, but she's proving herself as one of the best athletes in the world, and people are finally noticing it a five-time world all-around champion, a five-time world floor exercise champion. I can go on and on. Her accolades continue and continue. But we go right back to that question because that's what's important. Jacob, is Simone Biles the top woman in sports today? I'll give you this. She's a top gymnastics uh, competitor, but she's not the best women's athlete. Oh, don't say that. Oh, come on, Jacob. Who, who are you giving me? All right. There, there's a lot of good choices out there. You got, you can look at basketball, Brianna Stewart, but I got to go with the GOAT, Serena Williams. Look at what she is still doing to this day. She's been doing it for years and she is still the best at women's athlete in the world. Okay. Okay. We got to take a second because I, I know that we put that three minute timer up and it's dwindling down, but we have to take a short pause. Because the question is asking about today. And Simone Biles is by a country mile the best female athlete right now. I mean, she's been doing things that in the history of gymnastics, and remember, gymnastics goes a, a far way back. She's won more world championship gold medals in gymnastics than anyone. Anyone. She's in her early 20s or, or even her late teens. This is someone in Simone Biles that will continue to have an unbelievable career. And right now she's proving herself as someone that is not just a pioneer for her sport, but a pioneer for female athletes. I understand what you're saying. Serena Williams, the GOAT. I, I completely agree with you. But do you not take into account the today aspect? Do you still think that because Williams is struggling, that doesn't really hurt her career at all? Oh, I think it does, but it's a testament to how she is still doing it at this age. She just played her a thousandth math match of her career. That that's unheard of. And Biles is great right now, but I think that looking at her overall body of work and the fact that she is still doing it today, I, I'm still saying she's the best women's athlete today. 
I think right now it's, you know, you pick and choose them. At this point, it's it's eggs against eggs. I, I don't even know the the right the right metaphor or even anything that I can throw out there because Serena Williams is one of the best of all time. And Simone Biles, in my opinion, will get there no matter what, just because of how she's taking over the sport. And remember when she was at the Olympics her first time, she was in her late teens. I was looking at Simone Biles and saying, wow, I haven't accomplished anything in my life because I'm older than her and she's already winning gold medals when I'm sitting debating sports with my guy, Jacob Polacek, right? So let's move on to the next one. Three minutes now up on the clock. And this is about the San Diego Padres. East Village Times, again, one of the frequent users of Cited. Go on our website, Cited.co, as well as our app, Cited Debates. Download it, make an account, start the debates. You could be, your debate could be on this podcast. We could shout you out. And we might bring you on as one of the hosts. It's the best thing about revolving hosts. We'll get right back to it. East Village Times. Five years ago, the Padres acquired Fernando Tatis Jr. from the White Sox. Highway robbery, in my opinion. Biggest heist of all time. But Jacob, is Tatis already the best player in the history of the Padres franchise? Yes or no? No. Have you ever heard of a guy named Tony Gwynn? I think he was pretty good with the Padres. Uh, I think they gave him a nickname, Mr. Padre. He's the best player in the franchise. There's no question. Look at the numbers he put up. He had a long career. Tatis has only played a few years. He had a season where he almost hit 400. 1994, he hit 394. There's no question. I, I, it's Tony Gwynn. So you said there's no question. I'm actually going to present a question because this says the best in the franchise. And if you look at any other sport, you look at LeBron James coming up in the ranks. In 2007, when he took that Cavs team all the way to the finals, people were revering LeBron as not just one of the best in the Cavs franchise, because that's such a sorry franchise, in my opinion, but also one of the best players in the NBA on the come up due to his ceiling, due to his potential. Same with Steph Curry. It's happened a lot in football when Tom Brady was moving up and he won a couple Super Bowls in his first four or five seasons and everyone was looking at Tom Brady saying, can he pass Joe Montana? I say, why not? I say, yes, Tatis is, he's played 186 games. He's already regarded as one of the top three players in baseball today. And we have a guy named Mike Trout playing in the game. Many people want to place him on that pedestal where Mike Trout almost is, to, to put him to a point where you're matching up with one of the best players of all time. Tatis has so much more to play for. He has a lot left in his career. He just signed a massive deal that would make me a very happy man if I signed it. And I think in 20 years, yes, come talk to me in 20 years. But also come talk to me right now because I'll give him the same amount of praise. I'll give you this. Tatis has an argument for the most talented Padre of all time. Okay. But the question isn't the most talented. It's the best player in Padres history. Tony Gwynn, five-time gold glove winner, seven-time silver slugger, eight batting titles, 15-time all-star. Like, there's no question to me. I think Tony Gwynn, his overall body of work is unmatched in Padres history and if you're looking at the best player in the history of the franchise, he's the only reasonable answer. I'll give you the fact that, you know, it's a guy in Fernando Tatis that has so long to go and he has to be as consistent as Tony Gwynn was, because if you want Tatis's numbers to match up with Tony Gwynn, 
you got to keep up the numbers that you're already putting forward, which everyone's already regarding you as one of the best in the game. So I'll give you that. But best in the franchise, individual talent, I think that goes much further. I think that there's so much hype around this Padres team, which hasn't been for a very long time. And I think that it triumphs above what it was with Tony Gwynn. Now, that's just my opinion. Maybe I was, wasn't around for the Tony Gwynn days, so I don't understand the magnitude of his impact. But I look at Fernando Tatis right now, and this is a guy that could arguably play for another 18 years and is putting up video game numbers. So I get it. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but I'm also just not going to tell you that you're right either. Okay, three minutes back up on the clock. Let's talk about MLB pitchers. Let's stay in Major League Baseball. I mean, there's been a lot to talk about with pitchers. And right now it's around using foreign substances on baseballs. Now, Cited MLB Talk posted this one a couple hours back, talking about Trevor Bauer, talking about, you know, all everything that is in regards to spin rate and what have it. And if you don't understand the game of baseball, just realize that if you put a foreign substance on a bat or on a ball, it helps you in the game. Now, it's about how do you treat these players? Because we saw how Rob Manfred did it with the Astros with their cheating scandal. We see it how the MLB is handling other cheating scandals. Now you talk about individual players. They've punished players for fights, but now you're going to foreign substances, which is an illegal aspect of the game. Jacob, how do you punish players in this instance? Yeah, I think this is probably the most uh, nuanced debate that we've had I think it's, it's so tough because obviously we can both agree cheating is wrong. They sh nobody should be cheating in the sport, but it's a matter of how do you enforce it? How do you punish players? Do you punish players? Um, and then there's the whole fairness aspect. One guy gets punished for it. Another guy might not get punished for it. So I voted other thoughts on that debate. And I think that unless they find a fair way to enforce this. You can't really punish players yet. I think they need to have a discussion about how are we going to enforce this? What, where, where are we going to punish these players? What players are going to get punished before you can start punishing players right away? 50% of people on sided disagree with you. And I disagree with you too. I think, yes, you have to enforce it and find a way to enforce it. But I think the MLB is doing an awful job at enforcing it, and it needs to be now. I mean, right now, baseball is in the best position it's ever been in in the past decade, in the past two decades, because the entertainment factor is finally going up. I feel like we've been talking about that for the past 30 years, even though I haven't known you for the past 30 years or even been alive for that long. I think that baseball needs to do a better job putting it in the rule book and enforcing it hard. I mean, how could you keep allowing this to happen when you know it is happening? I mean, if, if you find out that a player is using a foreign substance, especially a pitcher, because, you know, pitchers right now, they're having the control of the game and you continue to allow that to happen, then how are you protecting the sanctity of the sport? You're pretty much saying, well, it's fine that Bonds did what he did in his version of cheating. It's fine that this player did what he did. Why are we allowing that? Why does it continue into the modern game of baseball for this to happen? Entertainment should go up, cheating should go down. I know you agree with that. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of being proactive rather than being reactive. I think we've seen, this isn't the first time this debate's come up 
And throughout the last 10, 15 years, the MLB has just been reactive. This happened. We need to punish it. Uh, and, and it just keeps happening. They need to come up with a concrete plan to enforce this will not be happening in the future. And until they do that, it's just impossible to truly punish players in a fair way. You got to find a way if you're Major League Baseball. Both you and I agree on that front. Now, it's the final debate of the day. It's about Julio Jones. It's about the AFC. It's about the fact that he just joined the Titans. Is he the best wide receiver in the AFC? Two minutes on the clock. Final debate of the day. Jacob, give me your thoughts. First off, I want to say the best wide receiver in the NFL is Devontae Adams, but I'm, I'm not going to get into that. We're talking about the AFC, and I'm going with Tyreek Hill. I think, look at his stats these last few years. He had 17 touchdowns last year. Uh, that's, that's unreal. That's just 17 touchdowns, and he's in the prime of his career. Julio has had an incredible career, but it's hard for him to stay healthy, and I think he's a top five receiver in the, in the NFL, but I don't think he's the best receiver in the AFC. Jason, thanks for posting this because it's so recent. And if you want to go debate on it right now, Tyree Kill is winning that battle over Julio Jones. I don't care. Give me Julio. Give me Julio Jones. Tyree Kill has never recorded a season with over 100 receptions. Julio Jones has done that three times. One of them was 136. This is a guy in Julio Jones that has been playing for longer. He's more experienced. He's joining a team that will actually give him a chance to win anything and look good in the process. Tyree Kill, it's been all about Patrick Mahomes. And if Tyree Kill didn't have Patrick Mahomes, if you put him on the Falcons with Matt Ryan, I think it's a completely different story. Give me Julio. Last thought, Jacob. Why Tyreek Hill over Julio? Last thought. Tyreek Hill is only 13 touchdowns behind Julio in their career. And he's been playing a lot less than him. I think Tyreek is only going up. He's the best receiver in the AFC. I'm taking 6-3 over 5-9 any day of the week, in my opinion. I, I just think that the height really trumps what you can say about the earlier statistics. Put Julio on the Titans. It's a whole new story. It's been episode one of the Sided Podcast. Jacob Polachek, Cameron there. Those are the six debates that we talked about. But tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, it'll be all about the newer debates that you continue to post on our Sided website, Sided.co. Again, that's Sided.co. And then our app, Sided Debates. So continue to make accounts, continue to start debates, continue to join the debate, and pick your side because you don't know. We could shout you out here on this Sided Podcast. And next thing you know, we're turning your online debate into a real-life conversation or, as you've heard it, arguments at times. This has been episode one of the Sided Podcast with Jacob Polachek. I'm Cameron Uzer. We'll see you tomorrow.